Shalom, shalom, everyone. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight, we're going to get back into the book of Joshua, reading Joshua chapters 8 through 14, Lord willing, and taking your questions and your comments as we go. I hope you guys there in the uh, watching live are having a great, great day or evening, wherever you are. Speaking about live, let's see what we have in the, in the uh, chat. We have 1 John 2.26 says, Shalom, Shalom, 1 John 2.26. Teresa says, Shalom. Uh, we miss being here. Hope everyone is well. Uh, yeah, welcome. Welcome back, Teresa. Yeah, missed you as well. Um, and I hope every, I hope you and all yours are well as well. Uh, Teresa says, nice piano playing, Christopher. Actually, that, th thank you, but that wasn't me. Um, that was, um, that was a young lady by the name of Hannah. So yeah, it was a very, very nice piece that she was playing there. So um, I, I, um, I'll pass that mess. I'm sure she's either listening, either that, or I'll pass the message along to her. Thank you very much, Teresa. Calamentos says, "Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Calamentos." Psalm ninety four says, "Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Psalm ninety four. Good to see you." Okay, guys. So. Let's get into this. This is Joshua chapter 8. We're going to be reading some very interesting things, as always, as there always are very interesting things in the scriptures. Um, one particular passage that we will be getting into tonight is the passage when the sun stood still. The sun stood, stood still for Joshua. So, yeah, interesting. Let's get into it. Let me just pull it up here. This would be Joshua chapter 8. Okay, starting at verse 1, the fall of Ai, or as mo a lot of people would call it, Ai. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you, and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourselves. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. And don't, let's not just stop here for a second. Let's not forget the, um, the context of this. We just came from Joshua chapter 7, where, where we had Achan or Achan. Um, he had the devoted things. He had these quote unquote familiar objects, these accursed things. And the, uh, a lot of the children of Israel, well, they, they had to run in defeat, basically, and 38, 38 of them died. So in this chapter, we come back to the state of victory, come back to the state of victory after we have the accursed things dealt with uh, and uh, the troublemaker. You know, did you know that the name Achan or Achan in the previous chapter literally means troublemaker in um, in the Hebrew? So... Yeah, if you know of anybody that's a troublemaker, just call them an Aiken. Okay, call them an Aiken. Um, so, yeah, so they dealt with everything, cleaned house, so to speak, in the previous chapter. So now we are back on the road to victory. Continuing with Joshua 8, chapter, or verse 3, excuse me. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, 
You shall lie in ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not, do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us, as at the first, that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city. For they will say, they are fleeing before us, as at the first. That's at the first, uh, basically in chapter 7, there, the previous chapter. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city. For the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. So yeah, we're back. We're back on track when it comes to being back on the track of victory. You gotta, you gotta appreciate these, the children of Israel in Joshua in the previous chapter, again, coming from the previous chapter and looking at what they just experienced, they were so sensitive to what was going on in the spiritual realm. You know, they sensed that, hey, you know what? We feel like, like the children of Israel are afraid of these people. This, this was like Joshua chapter seven. The children of Israel are afraid of these people. They chased us. They killed 38 of us. There's something wrong. And they, and they found out what that something wrong was. Uh, and then they got rid of that. And then back on victory, uh, back on the course of victory here in Joshua chapter eight. And you know, we can learn from this because in our lives, we can say, you know, uh, perhaps there's something that goes off the rails. Perhaps there's something that goes wrong. And you, I mean, perhaps there's a shift in the spiritual realm. Where it's like, it seems like victory over victory over victory. And the Lord hears all your prayers. And all of a sudden he doesn't you need to ask the question, Lord, why? What's going on? And ask him to show you, to direct you to the problem. And, um, you know, if it's a problem like Joshua chapter seven, where there's something that needed to be cleaned out or repented of, then you just pray that the Lord would show you that. And that, uh, and that we would be humble enough to, to listen and to repent. So, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good lesson here to be learned. Victory versus defeat. Joshua chapter 8, verse 9. Joshua there, therefore sent them out, and they went out to lie in, in ambush, and stayed between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near, and they came before the city and encamped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley between them and Ai. So, he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was, that was on the north of the city and its rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried 
and rose early and went out against, the, against Israel to battle. He and all his people at an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in the city or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. Those in ambush rose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the, the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way, and the people who had fled to the wilderness turned back on their pursu pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out of the city against them, so they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they struck them down, so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass, when Israel made an end of all slaying of the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness, where they pursued them, and when they all had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out his, uh, the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai he hanged on until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a heap of stones that remains to this day. Joshua renews the covenant. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, quote, on altar of whole stones over which no man has yielded an iron of tool, an iron tool, excuse me, unquote. And they offered it, they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, 
Israelites who bore the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the Lord, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were, in, who were living among them. Joshua chapter 9, the treaty with the Gibeonites. By the way, guys, those of you who are listening, if you have any questions, I will be stopping temporarily, moment, as I should say, intermittently as time goes on to take your questions and your comments. If you have any questions, make sure you submit them in live in the live chat uh, and put it at Christopher. That really, um, you know, just in case we get lots of, of questions, that way I can kind of um, focus more on those particular uh, questions. Okay. Let's continue. Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, in the hills and on and in the lowland, low and in all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it. And they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that, that Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, excuse me, heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. They took old sacks on their donkeys, old wine skins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to to, Joshua, to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, Sihon king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. There, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But, na but now look, it is dry and moldy, and these wineskins which we filled were new. And see, they are torn. And these, our garments and our sandals, have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. 
So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Kephira, Bieroth, and Kiriath Yerim. But the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let them live, lest wrath be upon us, because of the oath which he which swore to them. And the rulers said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and, and water carriers for all the congregation, as the rulers had promised them. Then Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, are very far from you, when you dwell near us? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you, therefore we were very much afraid of our lives because of you, and we have done this thing. And now, here we are, in your hands. Do with us as it seems good and right to do to us. So he did to them and delivered them into the hand of the children of Israel, not kill them. And the day Joshua made, excuse me, and that day the Joshua Joshua made them wood covers, cutters, and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose, even to this day. Joshua chapter ten. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek. King of Jerusalem. Now, let me just stop here. This, this here, this is amazing. Okay, Adonai Sedek. Adonai means Lord. Sedek, righteousness. So, Adonai Sedek is a variation of the word Melki Sedek. Melki meaning king. Okay, Adonai Sedek, Lord of Righteousness, Melki Sedek, King of Righteousness. So why did I why did I, why am I pointing this stuff out? Because a lot of people ask the question, who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek is just combined, right? Melki Sedek is Mel, it means King of Righteousness. Melchizedek, Melki Sedek is many believe to be the same it's the same office perhaps not the same person but rather the same office as Adonai Sedek that's what they say Melki Sedek was the king of Salem which is actually the ancient uh, 
name of Jerusalem, Salem, right? So Melchizedek, king of Salem, is a variation of Adonisedek, king of Jerusalem. It's believed, okay, I, I understand the Christian interpretation of it, or the Christian theory, I should say, it's a theory, really, that Melchizedek is just basically in pre, pre-incarnate Jesus. But according to uh, tradition, Jewish legend, according to um, what's been passed down from generation to generation amongst the Jewish people, Melchizedek, Melchizedek was actually Shem, as in Shem, Ham, and Japheth, one of the uh, sons of Noah. Shem, uh, king, basically the, one of the most ancient, if not the ancient, if not the first king of Jerusalem, king of Salem. Uh, so I think that's interesting and important to understand that there is a direct link between Melchizedek and Adonai Sedek as, as just as much as Salem and Jerusalem. Jerusalem basically means a city of peace. Salem meaning peace. Peace. Okay. Once again, um, Joshua 10 verse 1. Now it came to pass when Adonai Sedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its, and its king, so he, so he had done to Ai and its king. How the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. They feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Horam, Hoham, I should say Hoham, the king of Hebron, Piram, king of Yarmuth, Yafia, king of Lachish, and Dabir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me. Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Yarmuth, and the, ki- the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies encamped before Gideon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he, he and all the people of war were with him, and men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua, therefore, came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes from Beit Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. 
And it, and it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent to, uh, of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. They were, the mo- they were more who died. Excuse me. There, there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with a sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the, the children of Israel. And he said in, their, in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over and moon in the valley of Aielon. So the sun, the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the, stu- so the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings have been found hidden in in the cave at Makeda. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave. Set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of, of slaying them with a great slaughter till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people returned to the camp, to Joshua and Micah, in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Wow, that's pretty good, eh? Imagine nobody spoke anything against you. Nobody criticizes this here. Lee sharpened his tongue. No one shunned his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Verse 22. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those kings to me from the cave. And they did so. And they brought out those five kings to him from the cave. The king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Yarmouth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And so it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Be strong and have good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. 
So it was at the, at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this very day. On that, that day, Josh Makeda instructed it, and its king with the, edge, with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Makeda as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Makeda and all Israel with him, and they fought against Libna. And the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. And he struck it and all the people who were with who were in it the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. Then Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him to Lachish, and they encamped against it and against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel. He took it on the second day and struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to Libna. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to Lachish, and Joshua struck him and his people until until he left none remaining. From Lachish, Joshua passed to Eglon and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. They took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were in it, he utterly destroyed that day, according to all that he, that he had done to Lachish. So Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him to Hebron, or Hebron, and they fought against it. And they took it and struck it with the edge of the sword. Its king, all its cities, and all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, according to all that he had done to Eglon, but utterly, utterly destroyed it and all the who were in it. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to Debir. And they fought against, took it, and its king, and all its cities. They struck them with a sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining, as he had done to Hebron, so he did to Debir and its king, as he had done also to Libna and its king. So Joshua conquered all the land, the mountain country, and, and the south, and the lowland, and the wilderness slopes, and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed, as the Lord had, the Lord God of Israel had commanded. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Barnea, as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. All these kings and their land, Joshua took at one Time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, to the camp at Gilgal. Joshua chapter 11. And it came to pass, when Yabin king of Hazor heard these things, that he sent to Yobab, king of Madon, to the king of Madon, to the king of 
Ah. To the kings who were from the north, in the mountains, in the plains south of Hinroth, in the lowland, and in the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the, in the east and in the west, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, in the mountains, and the Hivite below Hermon in the land of Mizpah. So they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude, with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Mirom to fight against Israel. But the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid because for tomorrow about this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua and all the people of war with, with him came against them, suddenly daughters of Merom, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of Israel, to, who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook Mizrephoth, and to the valley of Mizpah eastward. They attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. Joshua turned back at the time and took Hazor and struck its king with the sword. For Hazor was formerly the head of, of all those kingdoms. And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazor with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on, the, on their mounds, Israel burned none of them except Hazor, which Joshua burned, and all the spoil of these cities and the livestock the children of Israel took as booty for themselves, but they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them, and they left none breathing. As the Lord had commanded Moses' his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Moses or so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all the Lord, all that the Lord commanded Moses. Thus Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the lowland, the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel and its lowlands, from Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, even as Baal Gad, or Gad, in the valley of Lebanon, below Mount Hermon. He captured all their kings and stood them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. He was not a, there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel except the Hivites or the Hebites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, all the others they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against the, the against Israel in battle that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy, but that, that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses.
And at that time, Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, from all the mountains of Yehuda, Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They, they remained only in Gaza and in Ashdod. Ashdod. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses, and Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. Joshua chapter 12. These are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated, and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun. From the, river, from the river to Mount Hermon and all the eastern Jordan plain. One king, Sihon, or Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Yabok, which is the border of the Ammonites, and the eastern Jordan plain from the sea of Kinneroth, as far as the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, the road to Beth Yeshimoth, and southward below the slopes of Pisgah. The other king was Og, king of Bashan, and his territory, who was of the remnant of the, gi- of the giants who dwelt at Ashtaroth and at Edrai, Edrai, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Sal- Salka, over all Bashan as far as the border of the Gersherites and the Maatathites, and over half of, the tr- half of Gilead to the border, border of Sihon, king of Heshbon. These Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the, and the children of Israel had conquered. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh. And these are the kings of the country with Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan, on the west from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions in the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the south. The, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the king of Jericho, one, the king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one, the king of Jerusalem, or Jer- Jerusalem, one, the king of Hebron, one, the king of Yarmuth, one, the king of Lachish, one, the king of Eglon, one, the king of Gezer, one, the king of Debir, one, the king of Geder, one, the king of Hormah, one, the king of Arda, Arda, excuse me, Arad, one. The king of Libna, one. The king of Adullam, one. The king of Makeda, one. The king of Bethel, one. The king of Tapua, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Afek, one. The king of Lasharon, one. The king of Madon, one. The king of Hazor, one. The king of Shimron, Meron, one. The king of Akshaf, one. The king of Tanakh, one. 
the king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Yachneim, one. Oh, excuse me, Yachneim in Carmel, one. The king of Dor in the heights of Dor, one. The king of the people of Gilgal, one. The king of Tirzah, one. All the kings, 31. Joshua chapter 13. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old. <laughs> you imagine the Lord. Hey, I got a, I got a word from God for you. You know, it's like, I got a word from God. You go to, you go to a, you know, a charismatic meeting and get someone to prophesy over you. Thus saith the Lord, you're old. The word of the Lord to Joshua. The Lord said to him, you are old. Advanced in years, and there remains very much land to be uh, yet to be possessed. This is the land that yet remains. All the territory of the Philistines, all that of the Ger Gersherites from Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron, northward, which is counted as Canaanite. The five lords of the Philistines. The Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, the, G the Gittites, and the Akronites. Also, the Avites from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Meera that belongs to the Sidonians as far as Aphek to the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gabalites. In all Lebanon, toward the sunrise, from Baal Gad toward Mount Hermon, as far as the entrance to Hamath. All the inhabitants of the mountains, from Lebanon, as far as the brook Misrephoth, Mis, and all of the Sidonians, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divided by Lot. To, the, to Israel as an inheritance, as I have committed you. Now, therefore, divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and a half and the half tribe of Manasseh. With the other half tribe, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses had given them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given them from or which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the town that is in the midst of the ravine and all the plain of Medaba, Debon, and all the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, as far as the border of the children of Ammon, Gilead, and all Gilead, and the border of Gersherites and Maacathites, all Mount Hermon. In all Bashan, as far as Salka, all the kingdom of Og in Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth and Edrei, who, who remained of the remnant, remnant of the giants, for Moses had defeated and cast out these. Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Gersher or the Maacathites, but the Gersherites and the Maacathites dwell among the Israelites until this day. Only to the tribe of Levi he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God 
of Israel made by fire and there are their inheritance, as he said to them. And Moses had given to the tribe of his, uh, to the tribe of the children of Reuben an inheritance according to their families. Their territory was from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and the city that is in the midst of the ravine, and all the plain by Medeba, Heshbon, and all the cities that are in the plain, Dibon, Bamoth, Baal, Beth, Baal, Meon, Yahaza, Kedemoth, Mafath, Kiriathaim, Sibma, Zareth, Shahar, on the mountain of the valley, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Yishimoth. All the cities of the plain and all the kingdom of Sihon, or Sihon, king of the Emirates, who reigned in Heshbon, who Moses had struck with the princes of Midian, Avi. Rekem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, who were princes of Sihon dwelling in the, in the country. The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, soothsayer. In the footnotes, it says the diviner, the diviner. By the way, there's a lot of diviners in the church today. Among those who were killed by them. And the border of the children of Reuben was the bank of the Jordan. This was the inheritance of the children of Reuben, according to their families, their cities, and their villages. Land of God. And Moses also had given an inheritance to the tribe of Gad, to the children of Gad, according to their families. Their territory was Yazer, and all the cities of Gilead, and half and half of the land of the Amorites, as far as Aror, which is before Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramath Mizpah, and Betonim, and from Mahanaim to the border of Debir, in the valley of Beth-Haram, Beth-Nimra, Sukkoth, and Zaphon, the rest of the kingdom of the uh, of, of Sihon, king of Heshbon, with the Jordan at, as its border, and as, excuse me, as far as the edge of the Sea of Kinnereth, on the other side of the Jordan eastward. This is the inheritance of the children of Gad, according to their families the cities, and their villages. Moses also had given an inheritance to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It was for, it was for half, half the tribe of the, of the children of Manasseh, according to their families. Their territory was from Mahanaim, all Bashan, all the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, and all the towns of Yair, which are in Bashan, 60 cities half of Gilead, and Ashtaroth, and Adrai. Cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan were the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, for half of the children of Machir, according to their families. 
These are the areas which Moses had distributed as an inheritance in the plains of Moab on the other side of the Jordan by Jericho eastward. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance as he had said, as he said to them. Joshua chapter 14. These are the, the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eliezer the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the, of the tribes of the children distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and a half in the half tribe in the, in the half tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half tribe on the other side of the Jordan, but the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. For the children of Yosef were two tribes. For the children of Joseph was two tribes, Manasseh, or Manasseh and Ephraim. And they gave no part to the, to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and property. As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. Okay, let's go to, uh, I want to pull up a, um, uh, a map of what we've been reading here. So let's look at this. This is a map. Okay, so we have here, this is the north part of the land of Israel. Of course, we got Damascus up in the top here. I don't know if you can see this or not. Actually, you know what? For some reason, I'm not sure why this is, it's like this, but for some reason, okay, so it's Damascus up here, right? Uh, we've got um, uh, down here is Gilead. Um, so looking for, okay, so I would like to find a map of the different tribes, their inherited lots. Um, but this is basically a really raw area of the map. Like Gilead is up here to the, to the east of, uh, of Jordan. And, uh, we have Ammon here on the east of the Jordan as well. Okay. Um, so after I show you this map here, I want to go to a map that has, um, uh, that shows the, um, the tribes of what they inherited. Okay, so Gilead or Galilee, excuse me, over here. Um, yeah, so Moab was down down here uh, to the east of the it's calls it the Salt Sea down here. Okay, uh, we've we were we were reading about Gibeon and all these other areas over here. Um, so we got Gibeon, Bethel. Just to give you a little bit of a rough idea of what, what we're talking about here. Okay. We have uh, down in the south, we got Debir, Hebron here, uh, Lachish over here, Ashdod, Ashdod near, um, near the sea over here. 
Okay. So um, that's kind of like, this kind of like a rough draft of that. I mean, let me uh, pull up another link uh, that would hopefully show a little bit more of, yeah, this particular link right here shows you like we got the half tribe of, a half tribe, excuse me, of Manasseh in the north. We got Gad down here south of that. Underneath that, I need to get rid of this here so you can see it. It's Reuben underneath that. Okay. Um, over here, we have, it's kind of hard to see maybe, Benjamin. We got Dan, Ephraim, Manasseh, uh, Issachar, Zebulun over here, Asher, um, Naphtali over here. So, yeah, that gives a little bit, a little bit more of an idea of the different, uh, the different tribes. And apologize if that's a little bit blurry. Okay, but um, gives a little bit of an idea there. We got Simeon um, down here. Okay, Simeon's got Simeon. I should say has got the uh, the land that's the most most south. Uh, Judah, Judah here. Judah and Simeon. All right. So let's continue reading Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Yahuwah, by the way, for those of you who are listening in the podcast, or if you're listening and you don't see, you can't really see what I just showed everybody, I apologize. Uh, you might want to go to... Uh, one of the video platforms uh, such as YouTube or something like that uh, a little bit later to actually see the visual of it. Verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, Caleb the son of Yephuni, the, Ken the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, my brothers, went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance, and your children's and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these forty-five years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain on of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard that 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 in that day, how the Anakim were there, and that this were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out 
as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of uh, Yefuni, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Yefuni, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. The land had rest, then the land had rest from war. Let's just take a look before I get to your questions and your comments here. Uh, I want to take a look, look at this particular name, Kiriath Arba. Okay. Joshua chapter 14, verse 15. Again, um, I am kind of just doing this on the fly here. Joshua 14, verse 15. And look it up in the uh, interlinear, Kiriath Arba. Um, so, Kiriath Arba. According to this, we'll start off with the Strong's definition. Kiriath Arba means city of Arba. Early name of the sea which after the conquest was called Hebron. Sea of Arba, Kiriath Arba. Okay, so um, Arba, take a look at what Arba, what Arba is here. Arba means, actually we got four. It's tra- we got a lot, of, a lot of places in the scriptures where it says Arba. And it's, it actually means four or 14, 14th, fourth, 40, three score and 14, four. It literally means just four. So literally, what they called that city was the city of four, literally speaking. So very interesting. Um, in the footnotes, city of Arba. City four. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so let's get to your questions and comments again. If you have a question or a comment you want to direct specifically to me, just put it in the live chat and just put it as at Christopher. And I will get to it. Um, okay, so the first. First question here we have is from Going Nowhere. Christopher, besides Halloween, do you think it's okay for Christians to celebrate holidays? Well, it depends on the holiday. You know, it depends on the holiday. Uh, there are many holidays, many, many, perhaps even hundreds of holidays. It depends on the holiday. Um, I mean, like, for example, you got like some holidays that are, you know, you got something like, um, like a family day or like, you know, Father's Day or Mother's Day, that kind of thing. Like um, there are certain holidays that are that are not not bad at all. Actually, they're pretty good. Not that they're I mean, like, for example, Father's Day and Mother's Day, that that would be really kind of like that would be in line with the Torah. Uh, actually, we, we could kind of we can go as far as to say, you know, to celebrate Father's Day and Mother's Day every day. But what I'm saying is there's nothing wrong with those those holidays. So it depends on the holiday. 
Also, going nowhere, asked the question, do you think the Jewish people still hold a special place in God's heart like they did in biblical? Absolutely. Absolutely. God never, um, you know, never has has ever forsaken the the Jewish people. You know, just the way that God has looked at the Jewish people, treated the Jewish people in the days of the the Holy Scriptures, the days of the Bible, the same. There's no, no difference. Arcader, Arcader JT asked a question, very, very common question. What is the, what's the best Bible translation to use? Well, there is really no best. (laughs) I wish I could say there's a best one. There really isn't, there really isn't a best translation. As if you notice, as we do our readings, uh, our live streams and readings. I, I, I do, I read from many different translations. I, it's like a assortment. Um, and in your studies, it's, I think it's good to compare many different translations. I just posted a video not long ago. You may have seen the video. I'm not sure if you did or not, but it was a video about the Christmas tree and uh, comparing translations. It's very, very important you know, speaking of you know, speaking of the Christmas, let's just go there. This is a common a common objection to the Christmas tree. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to. This is not about Christmas. I I noticed that a lot of people in the comments they think that I'm either trying to, you know, they think that I'm speaking on the topic of Christmas. I'm not. I'm talking about the Christmas tree in the scriptures. Is it in there or is it not in there? Okay. I'm not talking in that video and right now, I'm not speaking about Christmas in and of itself. I'm just talking about does Jeremiah chapter 10, verse three speak of the Christmas tree? Okay. So let's in live in real time here with me, let's look at it in in the original or in, in comparing Bible translations, one of my favorite, again, I don't know if there's even a best Bible. As you notice, I go to Blue Letter Bible sometimes, you know, uh, and uh, Bible Hub I read from as well. Um, I like Blue Letter Bible some for some things. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 3, Blue Letter Bible is pretty good for comparing translations. Like for example, here we have it says for the cuts of the peoples are futile. Now this is one of the this is one uh Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 3, 4, and 5. These are a few verses that are used a lot of people, not all, <laughs> some people, um, use these verses to to try to say that it's wrong to have a Christmas tree. So they think this is talking about a Christmas tree. It's not. It's actually talking about making an idol of wood from a tree. That's what it's. That's what it's about. And I'll show you in just here in a second. Um, for the customs of the people are futile. For it is wood cut forced, the work of a hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. Now, in other translations, you want to go to other translations to go to Bibles, and you'll see the KAV. Okay, this is this is where a lot of these miss miss interpretations come from the the KJV. King James is not. uh, Okay, to answer your question, Arcader, 
KJV would not be the top one, that's for sure. Not even the top two, okay? The King James Version is just full of... Well, let me just say, it's not the, it's certainly not the worst. It's certainly not the best. Okay. There are a lot of errors in the King James Version. Still good in, for certain things, but n there are a lot of errors. And here's one good example. And the problem is that a lot of these other versions basically just steal from the King James Version. They just take the King James Version and make it, make it, make their own version from it. You know, anyway, the King James Version says, one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of a workman with an ax. Now that makes it sound like it's a Christmas tree. Remember the NASB, the New American Standard says, for it is wood cut from the forest. Not necessarily a tree, I mean, per se. I guess it would be a tree, but you know what I mean. Basically, this this wood came from this piece of wood came from the forest. The work of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. Uh, here it says the the work of the hands of um, the work of the hands of the workman with an axe with the axe. Okay, so if this was talking about a, a, a Christmas tree, number one, it wouldn't say workman because workman in the original also signifies a craftsman or an artist. Okay, someone who is a craftsman who can who can chisel out wood and and you know these what do you call I forget what you call these people that they can take a stump and they can make a beautiful work of art with it you know that's what this word that's what this word means and this word axe is a very very it's it's an, it's the wrong translation actually this word axe literally means a tool that is used to take a raw material and form and make it into some other form. This word axe is also used in, let me go here, Isaiah chapter 44, verse 12. The word axe is used here for tongs. Again, this is the New King James taken from the King James. It's really a bad translation too. The blacksmith with the with the, okay, let's just go here and see. Uh, let me see here. Just want to make sure I get the, I got it at the tip of my tongue. I just can't think of it right now. The Hebrew word for this uh, is, yeah, ma'asad, ma'asad, okay? Ma'asad is, is what's used for translating cutting tool here which is used for axe here. Axe is a very, it's the wrong, it's the wrong translation. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. Masad. So we got a craftsman that uses a masad on the wood that's cut from the tree or wood that comes out of the forest, okay? This is a word that's the same Hebrew word that's used here for tongs, masad. The blacksmith with the masad works works one in the coals, okay? In other words, this masad is a tool that the blacksmith uses to take a piece of raw iron and, and shape it into some form. In the exact same way, the masad is the tool that the worksman or the craftsman uses to take a tree and make and form it into a certain form, a shape. Cut it up, chisel it out. Buff it up, whatever you got to do, all right? whatever you got to do to make an idol out of wood. That's what it's talking about. 
going back here, uh, comparing the Bible translations. So King James and all of the King James followers and all of the King James wannabes, including the new King James, uses the word acts. Bad, bad translation. NLT here is actually got it right. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. And they have it right. NIV, they have it right. Right? They cut the tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. That's right. ESV. Well, it's a little bit different here. Uh, the tree from the forest is cut down in the work and worked with an axe by the <laughs> Worked with an axe. Okay, worked with an axe. I guess you might kind of make it sound like, okay, you can kind of chisel it with an axe, I suppose. Um, CSB. Someone cuts down a tree from the forest and it is worked by the hands of a craftsman with, with a chisel. Again, this is right. NASB. We just read that. And it's the same with the NASB 95. The NET has, has also got it right. They cut a tree down in the forest, okay, and then the craftsman makes it into an idol with his tools. All right? That's right. Now, this here, RSV, it looks, looks very much like they parrot what the KJV said there, pretty much. Same with the ASV and the YLT, the Darby translation has it right as well. The, the tree is cut out of the forest, worked by a chill by the hands of an artisan. Right? WEB, that's well known that it is. it actually is a modified King James. Um, Hebrew names well is a modified King James. All right, so um, I think it's very interesting. Now, I'm just looking at this LXX. Let's just, just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, let's go to the Septuagint version of that. Okay, see what the Septuagint says. See what it says. Okay, so we got Jeremiah chapter 10. Okay, for the customs of the nations are vain. It is a tree cut out of the forest, the work of the carpenter or molten image. Yes, so it's very much, it's a good, they, they are beautified with silver and gold. You know, they take, in other words, they take these old, these idols and they they make it like they, you know, silver plated or gold plated, you know, uh, they fix them with the hammers and nails. Okay, let's get, let's just go back to the actual, um, yeah, so what I mean is just checking out the different translations. They decorate them with gold. Verse five is another translation, another thing that is translated various ways throughout different uh, Bible translations. If you go to the different Bible translations here, you have, okay, so here in the New American Standard, it says they, which are the idols, okay, not trees, you don't call trees idol, or you don't usually use the word they for trees, okay? They, meaning idols, the idols are like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. In other words, the Okay, the worksman goes into the forest, cuts the tree down, takes his masad, and shapes it into an idol, cuts it up, whatever he does to it. And verse four, he puts it up, hammer and nails, he, he puts it up, you know, it's standing up straight. Um, and here it says they, they, the idols, are like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. So 
it's seems to seems to sound it sounds like it is like um uh it's like in, in the image of a man in the image of a man okay an idol that is shaped into the image of a man uh they cannot speak uh they must be carried okay because they cannot walk do not fear them for they do no harm nor can they do any good Okay. Now the different Bible translations, it varies quite a bit. Again, in the KJV, you know, King Jimmy. Sorry, King Jimmy. I don't know. This doesn't sound right. They are upright as, as the palm tree. Palm tree. Palm tree is quite a far cry from scarecrow, but they speak not. Now, Palm tree is uh, up, upright as a palm tree. I suppose you might be able to say like an idol might be, you know, you know how do you, how do you make, how do you uh, justify this kind of translation, this kind of interpretation that, it, that either an idol or a Christmas tree is like a palm tree for that matter. Um, here, uh, King James, of course, is very, it's just taken from the King James. Uh, now the NLT again has got it with they they go with the scarecrows, okay. The NIV also like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. Uh, ESV also the idols are like scarecrows in the cucumber field. The CSB also like scarecrows in a cucumber patch. Of course, we just read the NASB twenty says like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. NASB ninety five says like a scarecrow in a cucumber field. And E.T., such idols are like scarecrows in, in a cucumber field, okay? RSV, same thing. Their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. Now, the ASV, again, because it's the copycat of the KJV, says palm tree. Uh, same with the uh, YLT. Darby seems to go with the more like a KJV kind of translation there. WEB as well. Hebrew names as well, very much like a... Just a, a parroting of the um, uh, KJV. So let's go to the Septuagint. Here it says they set, they will set them up that they that they may not move. It is wrought silver; they will not walk. It is forged silver. They must certainly be born, for they cannot rot, ride of themselves. Fear them not for they cannot do any evil, and there is no good in them. Okay, so um, I, I said all that, Arcader, just to show you, and also to talk about this as well, since we're basically at, uh, um, basically we just, we just posted a video about this, but just to show you the, the different variations of the different Bible translations. And it's a good thing to compare them, right? Especially the like CSB, RSV, these, these Bible translations that are not so much of a copier of KJV, okay? People like Bible versions that really set out, uh, their translators set out to actually not derive their translation from the KG, KJV, but rather 
to wipe the slate clean and to start from scratch, start at square one and to interpret everything word for word for themselves. That's a better translation. But there is no best translation. Every translation has its pros and cons. Uh, I would just say find one that is easy for you to read. And when you come to a particular passage that is questionable, compare the different Bible translations. Look it up in the original Hebrew, in the original Greek. Study the original culture, the cultural context of, of, of uh, the author who wrote that. And that'll give you a really good idea of what the real, what a good Bible, like what a good translation is or interpretation is. Okay, again, I have on DLive here, I have a uh, graphic that I cannot share because <laughs> um, it's some guy, Aram, Araman. For some reason, I just can't, I can't uh, share this. But anyway, welcome, Araman. Arcader asked a question, what are your thoughts on the BHI if you haven't answered it already well appreciate your answer um i'm not sure what could you be a little bit more specific i think like, i'm not really familiar with this this acronym it's not coming to my mind right now what's if you could be a little bit more specific I, that would help me out thank you very much christina another good point about the kjv uh another good point and welcome, Christina, as always. In numbers, KJV says strength of a unicorn, where every other translation says strength of a wild ox. Yeah, there, there, there are so many errors in the KJV. It's not, it's not enough that I would say throw it out. I mean, I, you know, I would have the KJV at hand, like on hand, but um, there are a lot of errors in the KJV, that's for sure. Teresa says, which Hebrew to English resources do you use? Okay, so what I, what I do usually, I start with the Strong's. I start with the Strong's dictionary. Now, like Strong's is not perfect either, right? So Strong's sometimes, a good, a good example of that is, like for example, is the, um, the definition of the word repent in the Greek, in the New Testament. Uh, the definition of the word repent in the Strong's is, is to change your mind. But that doesn't fit Hebrews chapter 12, where it says that um, Esau uh, could not attain repentance, though he sought it dil diligently or carefully with tears. So he wanted, like he had remorse, he had regret, he definitely changed his mind, but it says he couldn't find repentance. Um, so. You know, like, by the way, of course, I'm pretty sure, Tracy, you know this, but for the others that are listening, repentance means change, to turn around, to change, uh, to return to the Lord. That's really uh, what it means. Um, but the most simplest, the most simple definition of the word repent would be to change. 
Esau could not find change. He could not change the circumstance. Um, a little bit more expanded definition in most other parts of the Bible where it talks about repentance. It means to change or turn around, to change direction. I suppose you could also put that, you could also interpret that in Esau's case where you say Esau could not change his direction. Uh, he could not change the direction of things, the trajectory of things, you know, since he sold his birthright. So I guess you, you could say you could put it that way as well. Strong's doesn't really... De define it that well. Strong's is good though. He's really good for, for most uh, other things. Uh, anything deeper than that, I go with the um, uh, Thayer's or the Briggs. Um, Thayer's is probably one of the better ones uh, when it comes to, oh, you're asking about uh, Hebrew, sorry. Um, yeah, Justinius. That's that's would probably be my go-to for that, and uh, and also to look up because again some of these lexicons and dictionaries um, they don't give you a real exhaustive definition like how we just did with um, the word masad right I didn't go specifically to I didn't land on Strong's or Jacinius exclusively. As you probably noticed, I looked at other places in Scripture. There's actually only two places in Scripture where that, that word is used, Masad. That is in Jeremiah 10, verse 3, and in Isaiah 44, verse 12. So I look at other places in the Scripture as well. I say, how is it used? What context is this used? So that's how I derive the meaning um, in 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 interpret Hebrew words as well. Like I actually did it just, you know, just in this live stream with Masad. It's like, okay, you see the blacksmith took a Masad and he created, um, he took um, raw iron and he, and he, he formed, he, he made like a molten image out of it. He used a Masad. Of course, it's not, a, well, I guess it maybe it perhaps could be an ax, but no, I don't think so. It'd be more like a, a tool that's used to, to fashion something into like to re to to carve it, so to speak, um, and that's the, exactly um, what it means in you know uh, Je Jeremiah chapter ten verse three. So um, that's that's really the gist of it. Um, a lot of times it's good too to go to uh, in Jewish resources like Safaria would have a lot of good things on there about. Uh, definitions and such. Um, that's what I would go to as well. It's a great, great question, uh, Teresa. Thank you for asking. Going nowhere says, do you think it's okay for, for some Christians to live a solitary life? I'm not just a people. I'm just not a people person, to be honest. Uh, well, you do. We do. Ha there are some people that do that, and I do. Ha I do respect them. You know, you have to be careful that you maintain some good, healthy. Uh, <laughs> it's it's important to have a healthy community, a healthy community for sure. You know, and to maintain some good mental health. Uh, it, we we do have um, 
people though that let's say for example monks that would live in monasteries or other places like that um it seems to be kind of solitary in a way uh and i you know i my hats off to these people hats off to these people i mean i think they're um uh it, you know all the power to them uh to get away from the rat race to get away from the corruptions of of the world so got to be careful and um it's good to have a good solid community but uh i hear you you know you got to be um Yeah, you just have to be careful because you know what the the ability the the people you're around is very very important, right? If you're around the wrong people, even if you are, I mean, it's you have to be super super strong. You have to be like you know the Teflon man. Pace. You have to be super strong because you have to be your own. And not allow other people to influence you if you're in the midst of people that are just very bad people. It's good to get into a good community with of very good people. Going nowhere, have I ever debated with atheists before? Um, I mean, not formally. I have, I have spoken to many atheists, many atheists online, in the chats, and um, challenging challenging them on video and such. But not really like a, um, not a face to face, or not yeah, not face to face, or um, a formal debate. Not a formal debate. Now, those of you who are um, interested, this uh, tomorrow night is Arab Shabbat. It's the uh, Eve of Shabbat, and. So so usually we have a little bit more of an a little bit more of a special thing on Arab Shabbat, but on Shabbat itself, on Sabbath on Saturday at two p.m., I will be having uh, some some guests on. Onia will be back, okay, and also I will have another gentleman, Lord willing, by the name of Jason. He'll be joining us as well from South Africa, and I'm really looking forward. To, to that. Uh, it's going to be like a, a, a you might have seen, I uh, posted a, um, a scheduled um, live stream. So you may have seen that in the, uh, in this, in your, uh, in your feed, but uh, it's going to be like a round table discussion. Um, we're all going to be basically answering your questions, talking amongst one another, talking about various uh, topics. And I think it's going to be a very educating and very uplifting, um, maybe even challenging uh, time. And so uh, I encourage every one of you to, to join, join us for that. That is Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Eastern, we'll start. And uh, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a fellowship. There'll be three of us, and um, and we're going to be fellowshipping, and you guys can shoot all the questions and then your comments, and uh, you know, let other people know as well. Let other people know um, about it, and you can invite them, send a link to them. You might see that uh, 
again, in, in your feed, you might see the, uh, the, the scheduled live stream. If you do, make sure you got your notifications on. Share it. You know, click that little share thing and share that little share that scheduled live stream to your family and your friends and uh, have them all join on here. You know, mentioned atheists before. Well, atheists. Yeah. So even atheists get atheists on here um, in the live chat. Honest ones. Honest ones. Okay, because a lot of people don't want to hear. But honest ones, people that want to listen. Okay, so that wraps it up for tonight. Tomorrow night, again, is air of Shabbat. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to the weekend, to Shabbat. And uh, yeah, so once again, if any of you guys have any um, recommendations for people uh, that uh, you think would be really good to have on as guests, co-host, so to speak, of, uh, of the live stream, send me an email. The email here is ChristopherEnoch at ProtonMail.com. Send me an email. Let me know of someone who would be really good to uh, to join. I'm talking about a live video feed, live stream guest. And, uh, and we'll look into that. Okay, guys. I'll see you guys again tomorrow night, Lord willing. And we'll continue where we left off. And... Um, as always, you guys are awesome. Thank you for your questions and your comments. I appreciate it. I appreciate every one of you. And uh, so I'll let you guys. Let me see here. One John two twenty six says Christopher Enoch. Thank you, Christopher. Blessings to you. Thank you very much. Blessings multiplied to you as well. Okay, guys. I'll see you again tomorrow night. As always, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow night.